You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 65 of 2, 5, and 10. That, I guess that's a tongue twister start, episode 65 of 2, 5, and 10. But, uh, <laughs> Benny, what up? Interesting intro choice. I was not prepared for that one, but how's it going, my friend? I hear that there's a little bit of news going on around the league. There is news is flying all over the place in the NHL right now. I know uh, coming out of the gates, we were a little quiet, but right now business is booming. NHL is in the headlines. I don't know if they're happy or mad about that. We'd have to ask Mr. Bettman because he's all over the place himself. But um, I guess we will throw a dart at the board and we will start in Newark, New Jersey. It came out on Sunday afternoon that the New Jersey Devils and Ray Shero have mutually parted ways. Even though I would like to say it's a firing, they came out and said they mutually parted ways. I was completely shocked and baffled by all this. What was your thinking on it? I mean, 90 minutes before puck drop, he ends up getting fired. So that was a little little bit of a surprise, no question. Yeah, I mean, mutually parted ways is just a way to let a guy that you respect as a person and save face for his next interview process as a general manager. So he got fired, but they didn't want to say he got fired just because they respect, probably respect him. Um, I was shocked as all hell when you sent me that uh one of the first to report it too by the way yes uh i think once the shock of knowing he was fired subsided the thing that kept gnawing at me was how do you let him trade taylor hall if you're going to fire him like three weeks later not only do you let him trade the player away and get the return but you let him fire your head coach yeah. So to me with this whole thing is it seems like the team had kind of hit a turning point. It it seems like they're finally starting to play good hockey. Um as for maybe they were a little upset with returns on trades, maybe it was the PK Subban trade, maybe the owners thought they were going to get a little bit more out of that. I was shocked just Ray Shero was a good GM. He put a great team on paper this year out there he he put out a great product and as for guys not being able to play to their potential i don't think that's on him as a general manager if you get a certain player who's given you all sorts of stuff before and now he's playing up to potential i understand you're the person who signed him but is that a coaching thing to get the best out of him like i couldn't believe it um Benny, do you follow Julie Robenheyer on Instagram? I do not. Well, Julie Robenheyer, she is a writer for the New Jersey Devils. Well, she she writes for the NHL in general. She covers a lot of Devils. She does a lot of uh, World Junior stuff, a lot of showcase stuff with um, like up-and-coming players and the prospects. And this is her opinion of what she thinks happened. And I believe her because she's very in touch there. So she thinks there was a meeting, and this is what happened. Owners, Ray, we want you to make a trade for for players. The team is playing better now. Let's give them a few more pieces to work with and see if we can get into the playoffs. Ray, no. (laughs) Owners, but we really think this will help the team and improve revenue. Ray, look, guys, you hired me here to do a job, and I'm trying to do it. I told you the plan would take time, but that it was designed for long-term success and intended to build this team into a perennial powerhouse that contends for a Stanley Cup year after year. The goal isn't to sell part of the farm, especially the one that I've worked with really hard the past five years to restock, with the hope and a prayer to make the playoffs and likely have a first-round exit, even if we do, I'm not doing it. Owners, but we want to make the playoffs now. We're tired of waiting. Ray. I'm not buying at the deadline. That's not part of the plan right now. Owners, 
but we want you to. Ray, find yourself a new GM because I'm not your guy. This is a strictly hypothetical conversation that Julie believes could have been had. And for whatever reason, I, I believe this conversation to a T. Like, the, the owner starts sniffing it like, oh, hey, the team's playing. There might be a way for us to get in there. I believe they're currently right now. It's either nine or 11 points out of a playoff spot. They, they have are 13, 13. So, so they dropped this. So they dropped even down another one. So they have a lot of teams in front of them. They're going to have to piggyback and try to get there. And personally, I don't think they can make it. And I don't think Ray Shero think they could either. And that's coming from someone who's in that room every day. Someone who's in that office every day. He knows what happens here. And I don't want to say shame on Ray for, not believing in his guys, but you have to do what's realistic. Like I don't blame him. If that was the conversation of, we want you to sell some guys off here, bring some guys in. Like, no, these are guys like that. Taylor hall trade was bringing in all prospects so we could have people to come up with. Like I understand ownership when it comes to a hockey side, they don't understand the whole grasp of it. And there is a lot of factors that indeed happen with an NHL team and organization, the NHL, the AHL, the ECHL, kids that you drafted that are in junior, kids that are in college, kids that are overseas playing. There are so many hands in the pot that you need to make the right choices, the right decisions. And at times, I feel like the only thing owners see are dollar signs. And that can cripple you, especially as a hockey organization, which you are. Granted, I know the owners, they're about making money. That's why they bought teams, and that's their purpose. But I don't think any of this goes to Ray Shero. I just think the owners are, they were thinking one thing, Ray's thinking another. And like you said, the mutually part ways because being realistic can kill you. And maybe that's what it did with Ray here. Yeah, I it's obvious that there is a disagreement of philosophy. My initial thought was because of revenue issues in terms of uh, gate receipts and, you know, missing the playoffs again this year, either it was the owner saying we need to sell off uh, Subban because of his uh, big contract we don't want to dip into the free agency market this summer or take on big deals in a trade, even though we might be able to get a, uh, a talented player for less than what he's worth in a trade because of his contract, because we don't want to put out that financials. And that's what led Shero to go. That's the next step in the process here. That's what started this past summer with the Subban deal. Or like you just said, they wanted him to, basically go for it or turn a five, three to five year plan into a one to two year plan. And he wasn't going to put his name or reputation on the line for either of those. So I don't know which one it was, but if the owners think because they've won six out of the last 10 games that they're in a position to make a run at the playoffs and hop over six teams and make up a 13 point gap, I don't know what they're smoking. Um, what's interesting for me is, is where did they go from here? They have an intern GM, Tom Fitzgerald, who is well-respected around the league. They have... And poor Tom Fitzgerald. They fired John Hines. Or before they hired, fired Hines, they put him down on the coaching staff. And then they fire him. And now he's goes back up to the booth because his boss and one of his best friends in the sport gets fired. So he was almost pulling double, double duty. But he's the interim GM. They have an interim head coach. I'm assuming a coaching decision wouldn't get made until they have a GM in place and who's probably going to bring in his own guy. If you're the devil's ownership, I know they have a severely disappointing year this year, but the young guys on a roster, especially up front, I don't think they're that far off from being able to contend for a wild card spot, maybe even next year. So if you're bringing in a new GM, it can't be to tear it all down again. So you're looking for a guy who has experience working in a front office, has connections, and is well-respected, and might have the experience of, quote-unquote, rebuilding on a fly and making decisions that go against the grain that most everybody expects. And if they're not going to give that position to Tom Fitzgerald, I think you go with Bill Zito here. 
I I honestly don't know which way they go. I mean, uh, I agree with you for Tom Fitzgerald. Like, talk about just being a human pinball, just bouncing <laughs> everywhere. But now you go back upstairs, time to reevaluate. And he's been there with Ray through this whole process. And I'm going to assume him and Ray have a lot of the same philosophies. So gas and Ray and then hire and Tom, what, what's going to be the difference? Yeah. Th- that I don't know. And when it comes down to a place as to where Ray Shero left you, I mean, you currently have two first-round picks this year at the draft. Uh, uh, Taylor Hall is and now... And two lottery picks up front. <laughs> like, the, like, I just... I don't know, man. It's it it's just crazy to me. It's it's crazy. I don't get how they do it. He definitely left the Devils in much better shape than when he was first brought on. So he deserves deserves credit for that. I just think if you're the Devils, tearing it down or even just doing a mini rebuild is the wrong path. Um, the only other thing besides my Bill Zito kind of thought is the the owners of the Devils also own the Philadelphia 76ers. And if you follow the NBA at all, you know they were all about the rebuild, trust the process, trust the process. They would tank for picks, and they were very analytically driven with all of their decisions. And now they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. If they want to go back to that route and just hire on analytics, Tyler Dello is in the house. Remember him? He's there. He works for the Devils already. So I wouldn't be as surprised as probably everybody else would be around the sport if they gave the keys to the franchise to a guy like him. I don't know. I mean, just looking at the roster right now, it's hard to say that this team is going to go into a rebuild. Like, Nico Hirscher, Jack Hughes, Pavel Zaka, Miles Wood, Nikita Gusev, you still have Paul Mary. You still have Zajac. If Supan can actually turn it around, you, you have a great defenseman there. I, I know at times he's just kind of out there, but when he actually performs, like he played great in Nashville, and he obviously hasn't hit his stride here, but if you could get him to be in stride, you have that young defensive core, Will Butcher, Connor Carrick, and Mirko Mueller. Like, there's pieces here, and... For them, if they actually decide to go in and blow it up, would be atrocious. Like, you only have to do a couple of things, and you have a lot of UFAs coming up, so you have some decisions to make. And one of them is in net. Uh, Corey Schneider is on the books for another two years after this for $6 million a year. Mackenzie Blackwood goes to be a restricted free agent. Do you buy out Schneider at the end of the year? Do you go to the free agent market for a goalie? Is there even a goalie available? Like, there's just so many things here and question marks as to where this team could exactly turn around. And it's just crazy to me that a guy who had a very good hand on all this is now no longer employed. Yeah, to me, task number one, two, and three for whoever is the GM for the New Jersey Devils this summer is find a goaltender because I think if they get up average to above average goaltending consistently they are a wild card team next year especially with the maturation of the guys up front so I know Braden Holpe is a free agent I know he's having an off year uh, we'll get to that with the whole backstrom contract extension uh, but if they have the goaltending I feel like they're contending along with Philly for that second wild card spot right now, but that's just me. And not to mention, too, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing Ty Smith in this lineup next year. Like, the kid almost made the team out of camp last year. Like, they, they have pieces that can come up. It's, I don't know, mind-boggling, I guess. I mean, Ray Shearer only brought a cup to Pittsburgh. I, yeah, the guy has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Do you think he gets another shot somewhere? If he's... He will definitely be hired this off season, no question. I, I, if someone loses a GM job during this season, I bet you Ray Shiro gets hired. Gets hired there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's going to be a shakeup in San Jose this summer, and Shiro's going to take over there. 
Do you know how appealing it would be to me to see <laughs> Dougie Wilson finally get egg on his face? Like, like, I, what's, what's, wrong? what's wrong with Dougie? I, I can't discuss these things on here. Like the, the, this, <laughs> the, this goes back to Worcester days. This is the, hey, so, some of these guys are just numbers guys, and the, you know what? Dougie didn't want to invest more money into his development system, and it, personally, it pissed me off. So so that's all. And granted, D- Dougie Wilson, a, extremely nice, handsome guy, and it might not have even been Dougie. It was probably Mutter who who didn't want to spend the money and and pushed it and made it seem like it was Doug Wilson. So well, yeah, if, he wanted his uh, all expenses paid summer vacation. Yes. Trip. So if, if I did accuse Doug Wilson right now and it actually wasn't Doug and it was Mutter, then I apologize. I don't want to tarnish Doug Wilson. But well, on the phone right now is. Mike Mutter. <laughs> oh, he would not. He would not take that phone call. He won't even accept my request on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think sure, like you said, is going to get another opportunity. I also agree. If the Devils go through not a full rebuild, but if they don't try and contend next year by just going out on the market and getting a goaltender, whether a free agent or a young goalie. They severely are miscalculating how far away they are from contending for a playoff spot next year. Agreed. So we will see where this takes the New Jersey Devils, whether they hire in-house for a GM, whether they look out into the open market, whether Nazardine remains head coach going into the summer. There's a lot of question marks in New Jersey, and we will see where it takes us. So, I mean, speaking of question marks, just transitioning to our second topic here, how, and when I say question marks, I meaning the questions that came up from the announcement that Zach Cassian got a two game suspension uh, for that incident with Matthew Kachuk the other night, Oilers and Flames. How did he get a two game suspension? I mean, I get the whole Kachuk wasn't engaging and he kept going at him, but Jesus, can, you guys have game tape to look at the whole game, right? I, I assume you do. I'm not really too sure. Uh, I do not know how Cassian gets a suspension here. I don't. Um, obviously, you see a guy get run over, and in this new NHL, anytime anyone gets over, usually it's a teammate who gets in there and gets uh, you know, a 2-5-10. and 10. Hey, what's the name of this show? <laughs> but obviously, you can see Cassian lost it it's the second time he gets completely run over the second time in the game that his helmet completely flies off and i understand the anger there and i don't blame him for jumping kachuk at all obviously kachuk's doing his job he's doing his breast best brad martian i said at the beginning of the year he's a brad martian to a t he's gonna be a guy who's gonna get points for you and he's gonna piss off the opponent i mean look what he does with drew doughty he makes drew doughty go crazy you get to the post-game comments part of it, and Zach Cassian <laughs> is there, and he states that, oh, well, he told me last year that I was a fourth-line player. He wasn't going to fight me. Well, I have 13 goals this year. Now what's his thing? Obviously, that hit a sore spot with Cassian to absolutely remember that, yep. well, you said I was a fourth-liner. So is this now... Anybody else on that team could have ran him over and it would have made no effect, but because it was Kachuk, that pissed him off that much more? Yeah, absolutely. That could definitely be it. But when it comes to size mismatch, like Cassian's a goon. He's a like one tooth missing in the front, big headed, fourth line goon. He wants to talk about 13 goals, sure, go for it, but Zach Cassian is a fourth-line player in this league. That's it. And to get a two-game suspension, you know what? It is what it is. But he he thinks he's going to actually get his hands on Kachuk, which isn't going to happen. Matt's not going to fight him. He, he's not stupid. Yeah, but that's part of <coughs> – sorry, but that's part of the fucking problem with Kachuk right now. Like, I get part of his game is the agitation. I get he's going to try and get under everybody's skin, and he knows who he has. He knows he lives – in the head of Drew Doughty, and he knows he lives in the head of Zach Cassian. But doing that and talking shit is different than running guys, like he did earlier in a game with a blind side. I'm surprised Kachuk didn't get suspended for that hit that he gave Cassian uh, near the goal crease. 
Yeah, the first so one was ugly. Back there. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, you have to drop the gloves in a fucking fight every once in a while, man, because your teammates are going to start questioning your, your fucking leadership. And also, they're going to start getting frustrated and irritated that they have to constantly jump in and defend you. And they're going to get starting to get run. Like Johnny Goudreau is going to start getting run because Kachuk won't handle his business. But like, hold say on. what you want hold, about Steve Ott. Say what you want about Sean Avery. They dropped the gloves. But hold on. In fairness, Matthew Kachuk is going after Zach Cassian. He's not going out after McDavid. He's going after a guy who's meant to do this stuff. It's not like he's crossing the line on the other side where, you know, he was going after McDavid, so Cassian went after Goudreau or Monaghan. So, so it's not one for one in that sense. He's going after a guy who can do this. One of the things I referenced this summer was this specifically. Matthew Kachuk is going to be very well protected because the Calgary Flames brought in Milan Lucic. And Milan Lucic's job in two games when Cassian comes back, you bet your ass he's going to be in that lineup for the Battle of Alberta. And guess what? Milan Lucic and Cassian are going to go. It's not going to be anybody else. It's not going to be Kachuk. It's going to be Cassian and Lucic. That's why Lucic was brought there. Because anytime Kachuk gets out of line, he's the guy to do the dirty work. That I mean, the problem, that's that's where it is. The, the problem for me, I mean, <laughs> I, t- I totally get all that. The reason why Lucha is brought in and everything else, and we both agree that this is going to free of Kachuk to be even more of a little cunt because he knows Lucha is riding shotgun, essentially. And again, he's not targeting McDavid and Dreisaitl, which is perfectly fine. But once you start crossing the line into borderline or dangerous hits like that, I don't care if you're hitting McDavid or you're hitting the worst guy in a roster. Like, that's bullshit. And especially to basically get challenged and then duck and cover and, and not drop the gloves. And he's done that almost his entire career. His brother in Ottawa drops the gloves and defends himself. Matthew ducks and covers. And that's going to start being a problem because throughout the course of of our lifetimes watching hockey, if you don't drop the gloves, your teammates are going to start questioning you. And now you're in a situation where the spotlight's on you, especially in two games when Edmonton rolls back into town or you go to Edmonton and Cassian's back in the lineup. If some way they're both on the ice at the same time and Cassian gets Kachuk lined up and he still doesn't drop the gloves, like, that's a problem. And if I'm Calgary, I just put... Lucic on the left wing and move Kachuk over to the right side and then basically t- dare Cassian to grab the Kachuk that way. But you can't protect him forever. He's going to have to drop the gloves at some point. And the more he doesn't do it, the more I start questioning like just how good of a teammate he is. I agree with you that the first hit was very dirty. And, and I mean, the first hit could have been suspendable. But, but the yeah. league decided to not go that route. The referees on the ice didn't even call a penalty on any other place. Referees fucking suck anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> but let me just get to this point when it comes to smarts. We'll take the power play. We scored the game-winning goal, and now we're in first place in the Pacific. Hey, he did his job. He did his job. In a vacuum, yes. Yes, in the vacuum, yes. Absolutely. But the course of his career, I'm, obviously, you're looking at it from a game to, this game perspective of he did his job. And I agree. If that, in this game, he did exactly what he's supposed to do outside of that borderline hit and everything else. But over the course of his career, the, more, the dirtier he, not dirtier, but the more aggressive he gets, the more aggressive in his physical play and his talking shit the less he's dropping the gloves, and that's my contention. Like, if he's going to play that way, okay, fine, but you can't not answer the bell when you cross a line or straddle that line. And if that's how he's going to handle it, fine. But you can't have it both ways, and I mean that towards Kachuk. Well, all I know is that they're at the top of the Pacific Division. That's all I know. I know. They're your, they're your boys, so you're going to fight to the end for Matty Kachuk here. But <laughs> I'm hoping. Hey, that, that was my pick at the beginning of the year. I'm hoping they finally hit their stride because when they came out of the gates, they were a little flat and they scared me. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm hoping that they're now doing a lot better. Uh, 
currently second in the Pacific. I'm sorry, Arizona now at the top of the Pacific Division. Yeah, they're going back and forth every night. Yeah, bad. Did you see uh, Luch get knocked on his ass against Montreal last night? Oh, I did not. Uh, yeah, yeah, Flurry, the kid, basically clean hit, just knocked him on his fucking ass uh, near the blue line, and then of course Luch, how dare you touch me? Got up and basically motioned as he was getting back to the bench that he was going to like murder or flurry the next time he was on the ice with him. <laughs> Every time the big fella gets hit, there's I know, usually like, him. You blow, you blow on him and he's like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Yeah. Ah, well, I mean, I guess that's the uh, the good news. You get the big fella <laughs> upset. and. Uh... But yeah, clean hit. I'll send you the video once, once we're done. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I actually have, I, I am doing, I ordered uh NHL, what is it, center ice, whatever it is. On, I have the TV one uh, going N- on right now just so I can watch that game. NHL TV or whatever it is. Yeah, I want to see that game desperately, so I signed up for that uh, today. But um, moving on to lighter and more enriching news, Nicholas Backstrom is, is a rich man for the next, what is it, five years? Next five uh, years, he signed a, Yeah, five-year contract extension, a $9.2 million Annual average value, he gets twenty five million dollars in signing bonus money, um, and that I think that takes him through his age thirty four, thirty five years. So pretty much towards the end of his career, uh, big bump up from the six point seven million he was averaging under his previous deal, and he negotiated this by himself, so he gets to save about five percent of the deal by not paying an agent. So what do you think? Uh, currently thirty two, so it'll take him to about thirty seven. I mean, even while aging at 32 years old, he is basically the last couple of years a point of game player. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Backstrom. As long as Obi's there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing for him. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I could get 10 assists a year just being on a power play, going cross ice to Ovi. I think <laughs> everyone can. But he is definitely the glue to this team. He's been there forever. Does everything right. Uh, I I just don't have anything bad to say about him. I mean. A little bit soft, but he's a Swede, so to be expected. But through the middle there, he is that guy. He's the glue, keeps that team together. And, I mean, kudos to him and kudos to Washington for getting a deal done. Personally, I would have liked to seen for someone who's getting towards the end of his career and knowing that that's probably his last deal, I would have taken a little bit lesser of, of a hit for the team. But um, obviously, like he said, they negotiated that with the team, and that's what the team wants to pay him. So on his end, I don't blame him for taking the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, he's one of those guys that he's not a physical player much at all, but he's just so quietly gifted that you kind of underappreciate the talent that he has, even if it's just mainly as a playmaker. I I put him up there as like, what, our this the salary cap era is Adam Oates with his playmate yeah like he's just that good so very quiet does his job typical Swedish guy but well worth this contract extension the two things for me is going to be where he slides in among other centers on his extension I think he's right so I know Crosby with his weird obsession with 87 as at 8.7 mil so he's getting paid more than him and I think he's right below Malkin, if I'm thinking correctly off the top of my head. So right in line where he should be, especially as he's entering his mid-30s. The other question that's going to pop up, and this is what I mentioned uh, when we were talking about the Devils here, they can't bring back Braden Holpe this summer, who's an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. He's This is his last few months as a capital. So they had to choose basically with the cap space between bringing back Holpe or Backstrom, and they chose Backstrom. So... Look for Holpe to be moving on this summer, New Jersey, Calgary, San Jose, one of these places. And then they're going to be turning over the keys to the net to uh, the young kid, Samsonov, who's playing pretty well this year, 925 save percentage. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mitch Korn down there, the goalie coach, the the kids of the corn that they call him. <laughs> uh, great job. He, he used to be in Nashville's with Pecorine. Now he, he was Barry Trotz's guy. Um, definitely... Really good. Actually, I lied. Corn is now in with uh, the Islanders, but he was the guy with them when they won that cup. So he was definitely training Holpe. He was training Samsonov. I'm intrigued to see if Samsonov can take the keys to the car 
granted, with that team in front of you, it's definitely difficult to not be that good. Yeah. So not a bad place to be in for him, but it should be interesting to see how it plays out. My question to you, and this is something we're probably going to be touching on here and there until a decision is made. Ovi's contract is up at the end of next season. They are probably going to have to have a conversation with him long before that. And on, are you, do you want to come back or are you done after that contract? Because if he's coming back, they need to put away, what, $12 million of cap space to bring him back. So they need to plan for that. If he's not coming back, then you're like, okay, we got $12 million in cap space. Who's a free agent? Who can we take on in trades after next season? Because you got to replace 35, 40 goals a year in the face of your franchise, and you can't just kind of whittle that away. So that's a decision and a conversation that's probably going to have to happen this summer to help the Capitals plan out the next year, year and a half. I mean, Ted Leonsis us there. He's loves Ovi, just no matter whatever Ovi wants, he will get. And there will always be that plan to have that money aside. Will Ovi come back for that same money? He's at nine and a half and then some crazy numbers after it, however they wiggle it out. But he's at nine and a half. He would probably come back for the same number. I don't think he would up it when he comes back to McDavid money or anything like that. I don't see him being in a decline, though. I mean, nah. Ovi still being Ovi out there. So interesting. Who knows if he wants to go back and play in Russia or whatever is on his mind. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ovi's currently 34, so that'd be 35, 36. Bringing Backstrom to being that same age when he gets out of his deal. Maybe that's just kind of where they cap him out at the... Uh, then it's a year to year or just only a couple of years just to the the body breaks down unfortunately especially playing this game and it's also if Ovi wants that record or try and get that record from Gretzky I think he does I yeah I, needs I, a few I think he needs what five more years of 35 goals to get there I think that was the number yeah but yeah he, he hasn't slowed down goal wise in the production sense so there is that chance I think yeah. that would be insane if he actually did it. That would be crazy. I kind of hoped he gets close just for the drama, and it'd probably get national recognition. Just it was like the home run chase, but I I want him to get to like five goals away, and then he can't get past Gretzky because that's my boy. <laughs> I was gonna say I remember that home run chase. It's funny you said it. I remember you'd be watching something, and obviously like. We didn't have the St. Louis or the Chicago networks local to here, but they would just show up in the middle of like a Red Sox game and be like, and here it is, Mark McGuire is up at bat. And you're like, this is wild. It's just popping up everywhere. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of goal scoring, do you want to do Bruins and Rangers Week in Review and you can touch on Brad Marchand last night? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, the Bruins played... Last time we recorded was the 7th, so they were playing Nashville that night. Had a great win in Nashville, 6-2. to two. They come home, they play Winnipeg, they end up winning 5-4. to four. And then Saturday we played the Islanders on the 11th, and we won a game in overtime. I, I know no one expected that. Uh, Islanders came out flying in that first period, gave the body to us, kind of stuck it to us a little bit. We were kind of in a hard spot, and then the boys came out in the second period, and uh, tugged on it a little bit. They came out. They were banging bodies, getting their north-south game going, and they're able to win a game. And I think that was a very good win against a very good team. And I don't want to say like in their barn because I mean it's the Islanders and the Barclays. <laughs> Which and all that. barn is it? Yeah, but I thought it was a very good, hard-fought road win, which this team needed. And then this team goes to Philadelphia last night and blows a three-goal lead for the third time this year. And then we get to see the Brad Marchand. Listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you approach a puck on a penalty shot, and I'm not giving out pointers because, I mean, Marshy torched some guy today on Twitter that was coming at him. The only thing you have to do to start this 
is bring the puck with you. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, no one's chasing you. No one's doing anything. Like, you can even just push the puck forward one-handed. Like, for him to just completely go over the puck, like, he is going to approach every shootout now with, like, two <laughs> hands on the stick, like, pushing in front of him to make sure he has it. Like, you don't really see things like that. And obviously a shit way to lose a game in a shootout. I mean, granted, getting to that point anyways, that's on us. Like, we shouldn't have won that game. Just, I mean, you blow a three-goal lead, just give it to the other team anyways. But, oh, man, on top of it that it's Marshand and people just love giving it to Marshy. Like, that's one he's never going to live down, just like nope. the Callahan kiss. Just one of those things that is going to go back forever. And... I had to like stop myself from laughing so hard this morning because I believe it was uh, Bring Hockey Back on Instagram. They have like a clothing company, a whole bunch of hockey stuff. You guys can go check them out. Of Marshy with like the glove over like his mouth and like nose, however he did it. And it was legitimately that same pose he did after like game seven when he was like sitting there crying. So <laughs> this one was just with like no tears. And. That's all I could think of, and I was like, oh, man, they are going to give it to him hard for a while now. So um, looking forward, we're playing Columbus currently, currently down one nothing in the second. We play Pittsburgh in a home-and-home. Home. We play him on Thursday, and then we play him on Sunday, and then we'll probably be recording by then, but we then we play Vegas at home on Tuesday too. So big game coming up against Pittsburgh, and if I was going to go for this point of the year for Jack Adams – I don't know how you don't pick Mike Sullivan with all the injuries that that lineup has had. So I'm just going to throw that out there that even with the injuries, Crosby actually came back tonight that Pittsburgh is still a very good hockey team. Yep. I, I've, including myself, thought they were a toast when all those injuries piled up. But um, moving over to the Rangers, I'm going to start off with two stats for you. The first one is the New York Rangers have – the highest scoring defenseman as a group in the National Hockey League this year. The most points, the most goals. So let that sink in for a second. A lot of that has to do with Tony D and Adam Fox. Uh, but I can't even remember the last time the Rangers had this much offense coming from the back end in my lifetime. Probably since 94, 95, 96 with Leach and Zuboff from those guys. So... That's one stat for you. The second stat is Artemi Panarin. He has 20 multi-point games this season, tied for net lead in NHL, and he has three or more points in four consecutive home games. The last time a New York Ranger did that was Andy Bathgate in 1961. Also, the last two Rangers to score 70 points in a season was last year with Mika Sabanajad at 74 and Marion Gabrick at 86. Uh, in 2011, 2012, Panarin has 70 points before the all-star break. So that's the type of year he's having. That's the type of year the Rangers defense is having, at least offensively. So that's how I wanted to start off this Rangers week in review before I get into the nitty gritty here. The three main things I want to comment on. The first one is the Rangers played the blues uh, a couple nights ago, got their asses handed to them on a scoreboard. Uh, defending Stanley Cup champs, uh, they just were not ready for what St. Louis pu was putting out there. Um, but towards the end of the game, it started getting a little physical, some fisticuffs. Uh, Jacob Truba was fined 5K for slashing Vince Dunn, who was being a little bitch towards the end of the game, towards him. Uh, challenged him to a fight after that. Dunn wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, Petrangelo got involved. Uh, Zabanajad got involved. The thing was, the game ends... And both teams are standing each other, staring each other down, talking shit with a few of the guys. Um, Lundqvist is getting off the ice, stares down at Bennington, basically throws his hands up like, you want to go? Like, what's going on here? Uh, Dunn goes with Chuba. Shea goes with Steen. Petrangelo is involved with the whole Dunn and Chuba situation. Buzzer sounds. The Blues and Rangers stand at each other. Rangers start leaving the ice one by one. Haley's still out there. D'Angelo's still out there talking shit. The Blues stand at the center ice logo. 
as a group and just stare at the Rangers bench until all the Rangers are gone, like they're fucking hard up or something. Like, do you know what I'm trying to convey here? Like they're just staring, like they're a gang, like get off our turf. Get the fuck off the ice. Are you kidding me? Like the game's over, Rangers are leaving the ice, Rangers are leaving the bench, and you're standing acting like they're leaving because you're standing there. They gotta get the fuck off the ice. So my problem was just with the blues acting like that was some type of message that they were sending. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, and it, the second thing I wanted to say was, so the Islanders came to the Garden last night and got their asses handed to them by the Rangers. Uh, 6-2 final. Uh, Haley fought Ross Johnston. And uh, Brendan Smith fought Matt Martin. They both got ejected because they fought uh, during the same stoppage as the Haley and Johnston fight. Uh, towards the end of the game, Zibanejad got hit late by Brock Nelson and Kreider jumped Nelson. Nelson won enough to go Kreider. D'Angelo also got involved, and then Johnson went after him, and they were squaring off a little bit, even though that's a huge size mismatch. They play again at Nassau Coliseum on Thursday, and that is a game to watch. And then they play again three nights later back at the Garden. They're playing... Each three times in nine days. It's kind of like a mini playoff series. Um, so, if you have some free time on Thursday, Kevin, I suggest you watch this Ranger Islanders game because you're going to have the Angelo involved, who is a nasty little fuck. I like that kid. Uh, Haley's probably going to be back in the lineup. You know that they're going to try and go after Nelson for going after Zabanajad in the last game. And plus, it's on the road and they just got embarrassed by the Rangers. So, they're going to try and exact some sort of revenge there. And then they have another game three nights later back to Garden. So it's going to be very heated these next couple nights. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on is the Rangers' mini goalie controversy here in the sense that they called up their top prospect, uh, Igor Shesterkin. He started two straight games. He won both of those, even though uh, he was kind of uneven in both those games. Then they started one quiz in St. Louis. It was his first start since uh, New Year's Eve. So he had like 10 days off, and everybody knows Hank plays better when he plays a lot of games. So he had an off game in St. Louis. Then they went to Georgiev last night against the Islanders, who got the win. They got to figure the situation out because you can't keep putting guys on the bench for seven to 10 days and then throwing him into the net and then healthy scratching one goalie, then having to be the backup the next, and then start this game. And like, who do you go? Do you ride the hot hand here? Because Georgiev have looked good last night does that mean he plays until he loses and then what does that mean for hank does he not play for two weeks and then once georgiev loses do you go to hank who struggled against st louis or do you go back to him because he plays better the more he plays or do you want to give the kids shirkin more of a look so i don't it's not making much sense to have three goaltenders up i know they're doing so because georgiev can't get sent down to hartford before clearing waivers Hank isn't going anywhere, and Shesterkin, if he gets sent back down, is probably going to go back to Russia for the rest of the year. The easiest way out is trade Georgiev at the deadline to a team that might be looking for a goaltender for this year and next. Um, it's just a situation. I mean, you can never have too much goaltending, but this is kind of crazy here. Yeah, you rarely see three people up at the top level. That's that's a little crazy. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm with you, too. Like, How do you pick between them because time wise you can't really leave a goalie on the shelf that long it must be nice in practice though you just keep firing the pucks at goalie so if guys want to keep shooting they have a choice to go with somebody but three goalies is excessive i i know we talked about it last week i, I think the rangers have to just decide as to what is an okay return for georgiev and, and go from there as to who gives you the best option in trades, like what you can yeah. get back. Maybe San Jose. Maybe. I mean, they're looking for goaltending. I'm sure Calgary would be interested. Um, LA, maybe, uh, depending on what they want to do a quick, the devils. If there's like a three team trade, because the Rangers are not giving them a potential franchise goaltender. Um, it would have to be Gorgiev dealt somewhere and then Delta, New Jersey. The only workaround is they just got to play more games. Like they play, they played last night. They have two days off. Then they play on Thursday. They have two days off. Then they play Sunday and Tuesday, and then they have nine days off at the end of this month before they play Detroit on the thirty 
31st. February is when they start, and March is when they're busy. I think they have 15 games in 28 days in February. So the, so, the solution here is you got to get Hank in because he's not going anywhere this year or next year. He plays better than where he plays. So you just got to give him 60% of the starts. So I would say like three out of every five and then figure out who plays the other two. Split those between Shesterkin and Georgiev. I know you're trying to find out if the kid is the future in net, but if you start costing your team points, and I mean, the Rangers are on the outside looking in, but they're not too far out of a playoff spot here. And this team is battling hard and they're playing well the last month and a half. If you start costing your team points because you're just trying to see which of these young goaltenders is of the future, you're going to start irritating some of the guys in the room today. I have one question for you. Does it make you nervous after seeing Artemi Panarin's uh, celebration leg kick that he may just completely rip his hammy right off the bone? <laughs> I there are there was one time where he did that and he kind of stumbled and I was like, please, just do it. Like lift your knee up, man. Like if you do a kick and you slip and fall and get a concussion or break your fucking wrist, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> but that's all. I- you, uh, they play the Islanders tomorrow, then they play Columbus on Sunday, and then we'll record probably again before Game 3 against the Islanders and next Tuesday night. So should be a fun couple games here. Uh, who are your uh, picks this week or games? Well, besides the Rangers-Islanders this week, do you have any other games? Uh, so I'm going to go... The same night as Ranger Islander is round two. I'm going to go with Calgary on a road against Toronto. I think that's going to be a really fun game. I would love to see uh, just the aftermath of a Kachuk going after Austin Matthew situation um, and see how Toronto handles it. Yeah. Uh, I wish Matt Martin was still in a Maple Leafs in that situation for him and Luch can go at it. But uh, so those are my two games of the week. Calgary on the road against Toronto and Rangers quote unquote on the road against the Islanders on Thursday and my lock of the week. I'm going to keep, no, I'm going to keep it same night. I'm going for the trifecta all on Thursday lock of the week, Vegas on the road against Ottawa. Fuck this senators and your boys. <laughs> wow. All right. That's harsh. Uh, <laughs> I have two for games of the week this week. I have Arizona at Vancouver on Thursday night, two teams of the Pacific that are battling. And then my other choice is on Saturday. That is St. Louis at Colorado. That's an afternoon game, three o'clock Eastern. That should be good to watch on ESPN plus. And then my lock of the week is Friday night, Anaheim at Carolina, Carolina going for a storm surge, baby. I can already see the celebration on the ice. Nice. Um, I promised last week that I would have an update on standings for lock of the week this week. I apologize because I was very busy uh, this week. So I will, I promise I'll do it before we record next week. I'll post it on our Facebook page, what the current standings are. I think Kev, I've closed the gap. You only have a 740 game lead. Um, <laughs> so well, I'll, I'll add it up and see what happens there. Maybe I'll add a few points, uh, on my end, just for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah that works. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to count them. So you, you get after it. You tell me. You can lie to me. I'll believe you. Um, so who do you got for shout-outs this week? Uh, shout-outs this week. Uh, I have to give one to Big Red because uh, we're getting after it. We just signed uh, the Cannibal up for skating lessons starting february 1st so it's going to run about eight weeks on saturday and then we also signed him up for some swimming lessons today too so uh gonna get the little guy active get him going we'll, we'll see what happens so he's already a better skater than leas anderson yeah he's already there i mean did, actually speaking of leas anderson did you hear all that kind of crazy shit that came out this week about him uh, he said that he needed to leave there's a misunderstanding because he needed he had an injury or something and he needed it feels good to be home for uh, his mental health. And everybody took that to mean he left the Rangers because he was depressed or something. And then his agent was like, nah, that's not what happened. Yeah, but it was weird because the agent came and said that. 
But then his father said something about his mental health, too. So then it made me wonder. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This should be a uh, we'll see how this one pans out. So if anyone's looking, Lee Sanderson is available by the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can train with Edmonton for a pull Jarvie, a straight up swap of lottery picks. Um, that actually because, wouldn't be a bad idea, dude. <laughs> I know. Like, here's the issue: if I'm not minimalizing, if he is going through something, why wouldn't he just tell the organization that he needs a break? Like, the Rangers have proven that they take that seriously over the last few years. Like, they would have let him go home and just said, "Come back when you feel ready." Like, they would for him to just go home get suspended, and now he's like, oh, well, something happened. That makes it a little fishy to me. At this point, unless I'm proven wrong, the only mental issues he's going through is that he's bitching that he can't make the roster. So until he proves otherwise, he's just being a big bitch about not being able to crack the team right now. <laughs> Who do you have for shout-outs this week? <laughs> shout-outs to Leah Anderson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for um, coming. <laughs> I, I'll give a quick welcome-back shout-out to Justin Williams of the Carolina Hurricanes uh, coming out of retirement. The old man probably going to be gassed as shit on his first shift back uh, in Carolina. But it's not a playoff until you see Justin Williams in a game seven. So hopefully we'll get to see that one more time. And uh, happy trails to Alex Cora. I know this is a hockey podcast, but as a Yankees fan, I feel gypped that the Yankees were basically eliminated by two teams that have been proven to have cheated to get to the World Series championships. And if on baseball, even though he got fired, Cora was the ringleader for both illegal activities, you got to ban him for life. See you later, buddy. Well, everybody, I mean, (laughs) getting back to the hockey part of this podcast, uh, thank you as always for listening. And we will hope to catch everybody again next week for another jam-packed episode of 2, 5, and 10. What do you say, Benny? You say we're doing it in about seven days? Yeah, I can't wait. It's the Mar- Super Mario episode. All right. We'll see you all then. Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday we chill on Sunday.